right, what's going on, everyone? How you guys doing? Um, after another Birds loss, I mean, not really surprised, but kind of like last week, more opportunities to win the game, and they didn't take advantage of it. What else is new? Um, yeah, I mean, we're just here to talk Birds again after whatever happened. I mean, it was a pretty odd game. <clears throat> I think it was probably one of the the weirdest Eagles games I've watched in recent history. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's that. <laughs> there were some positives. I mean, you know, there's never really any moral victories in a game, obviously, but I was, I was encouraged by a lot of things. I think you could be encouraged by very specific things moving forward. Um, so, you know, obviously there's more negatives than positives and at the end of the day, an L is an L, but I think there's some, some things to watch that, um, for the future, not just this year, but moving forward in the next few years, we can be excited about and um, we can kind of talk about during this one. Again, not to say any moral, the no moral victories and loss, just to repeat myself. But yeah, I mean, let's just get right into it. Um, I mean, just overall thoughts on the game, man. I mean, I want to hear this from you. I mean, this is just a tough one. So what, what were your just general takeaways from this? <clears throat> so first big general takeaway was it could have been so much worse. It should have been so much worse in all reality. There were so many throws, which if you watch, especially during the second quarter, which the Ravens receivers just flat out dropped. Like Lamar put it on them or he put it in like a decent spot and they just dropped it. Like it could have been a lot worse. And then of course you talk about how like we had to roar back in the third and the fourth. Like I'll tell you the reason why that hurts me a little bit. Because that reminds me so much of how the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that's dig what I was thinking. Dig themselves a hole, get down by so many points, and then they have some miracle performance that doesn't even win them the game. Like, I always hated that. Like, that was one knock I always had when people would say that Dak Prescott was more clutch than Wentz. They'd be like, oh, but he brings them back so many points. I'd be like, yes because they are down by like 30 points. Like there is no point to being putting up mad numbers and going on huge runs when you're already down 30 points, if you're not going to win the game. Like, like you said, there is no moral victory to that. Like you are still holding the L and I didn't like that about this game. Like you said, like after the Pittsburgh game, it wasn't like we didn't have chances to win it. It wasn't like we were just like out of it from like the gun. Like, even going into the half, what were we down? Like, 17 0. I want to say 24 to nothing. 17 0. 17 0. So that was doable, especially the way the offense was firing in the second half. And man, credit to our defense. They did everything they could for as long as they could. Like, in the first quarter, especially, we could not buy a first down. And they were getting chucked out there after like four or five minutes of rest over and over and over. And they kept holding and they kept holding until they were completely gassed. And then the score started to run up a bit, and you could see that. Even even at the end of the game, they were holding a bit, too. They were. They're credited <laughs> again, because at the end of the game, though, to be fair, our offense was giving them more time to rest. They were getting, like, they, I mean, they had already been gassed by then, though. So the fact that they still had anything left in them, even with Facts. that rest. So, like, credit to our defense, but again <clears> – <throat> You just got to wonder. You just got to wonder what is there with this team and why they can't. What's with the inconsistency issues, dude? Because, like, consistency is such a key thing in this game. In the game of football, there's not many things you're guaranteed. 
Like typically so many things can go wrong. So many things can go right. One thing you got to hold steady is how your team plays. Like how you play call, how your personnel act, how they carry themselves. That's like the emphasis of what people call like the Patriot way. Not that things don't sometimes go in their favor or go against them, but that no matter what, they're consistent in how they perform. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, man, but like obviously give your overall thoughts too. But like, what do you think just is the base reasons for this like blatant inconsistency? Well, I think that they never play complimentary football. After they put up a bunch of points last week and the defense was terrible, I had a feeling it was going to be the other way around this week. And, of course, the scoreboards won't show that, but that's just how the Eagles play. One week it's the defense and the offense is playing well. One week it's the offense and then the defense is playing well. You know, it just never happens uh, together until the end of the year when there's like four games left and they need a win, which isn't going to be possible this year with the schedule. Um, Will be possible with the division throughout the year, obviously, but – I mean, what does that do you winning the NFC East anymore? Obviously, we're going to be cheering for that. But, like, again, you're just hurting your draft pick at the end. of. The, I mean, not that Howie drafts good anyway, so it's not really going to make an impact where we end up in the draft, to be honest. But um, I don't know. I think it says something about the character of the team when they can't come to play, come together and play complimentary football. I think I think Doug Peterson's a big problem right now. Um, I, think he's, I think every week he's deserved at least part of the blame. And if it wasn't – I mean, even when we were coming back, dude – he was not like – it wasn't like he was just scheming everything open. Like Carson Wentz pretty much just took over the game was doing everything in his power to – I mean, credit to the receivers. They made the great plays as well. But point being, it wasn't like there was like receivers flying open. And I get it. There were, there were a lot of young guys out there. They were down to the practice squad. But there's ways to scheme, you know. And his, his scheme has been so toned down this year and everyone just kind of has caught on to it almost that – you know, he. I mean, he literally said in his press conference, man, I don't know if you heard, but or it was on WIP this morning. He said that by the time they got down to the red zone and scored that last time, that they pretty much had no plays left because they had exhausted all their red, red zone plays. Like, are you kidding me? Seriously, man? We were in the red zone for like – we had 14 plays in the red zone and you were exhausted out of all your plays by then? Come on. Like, that's a major issue. You, you don't say that to the media even if it's true. Like – Man, that, that was that was something that really stuck out to me because if you're exhausted of your red zone plays by that point and your offense hasn't really even been down there the whole game, man, well, how are you going to score the whole year? It makes sense why we haven't been uh, driving down in the red zone since 2017 and, and getting big scores until the last four games of the year when everything gets pulled out of the hat just to sneak into the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, I think Doug Peterson's a big reason. Um I even though Schwartz didn't necessarily scheme up a great game, oh, well, I thought he had a decent game plan for Lamar. Um, you know, Lamar was coming off the injury. I think it says a lot that he was willing to start playing some of his younger linebackers with Duke Riley out. Now his hand was forced, so I can't give him too much credit because Duke Riley was out. But I think it says a lot that he was willing to to make an adjustment. He moved Jalen Mills um to back back to safety rather than having him at outside corner which is probably for the best. He's he's on a one-year deal, so he can learn the safety position. He's not here to play outside corner anymore. And I know he was forced to play there, but, you know, and that also comes back to personnel too with Howie cutting both of our outside corners that were left on the back of the roster. And now we have all these guys hurt. And then also you know, real quick, we come in. A big thing also in the middle, you can tell me a bit what you thought about it because I haven't looked into the film as much for it. But if you checked it out, Will Parks looks like he was doing a lot in the middle yesterday. 
Yeah, there's a reason why Mark Andrews was very quiet during most of the game. Because when you saw, I thought it was him scoring at first, but it was Nick Boyle who scored that first touchdown. Nick Boyle was open because he's more of a blocker. So when he released himself up a block, defense isn't going to expect it. But Will Parks was a big part in shutting down Mark Andrews. Um, I think another thing, too, that I really liked was that, you know, we saw them kind of biting on, on golf on those bootlegs and stuff like that. And um, obviously Ravens do it out of pistol formation. It's not the same. The Rams go under center a ton. But you saw golf, they would bite on him, and then there'd be a receiver wide open because they were biting on him. And Lamar's even faster, and they, they didn't bite. They let him run. Um, and he really didn't get much because he, he was very indecisive. You could tell he kind of wanted to get it downfield, but by the time he had decided to run, there was nothing left. So I really liked that. Um, you know, it, when the defense gave up a touchdown, I really wasn't upset because I knew that was going to happen. I mean, with the linebackers we have and the, the way the defense is right now, um, minus the, the defensive line, especially the interior in this matchup, there was really nothing you could do to stop it, and I thought they did a really good job stopping it. Yeah, Mark Ingram did go out. But they still stopped the run. The interior won most of the time. They contained the edge pretty well. I was happy about that. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my overall thoughts. Um, shout out to John. Thanks for joining in, man. Um, here after a tough Eagles loss, uh, in case you didn't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, moving on. I mean, talking about the defense not being put together, man, this Eagles offense has literally two starters left on the field from the opening day roster, which, you know, I knew this was going to be a tough year with the injuries and stuff. Obviously, I don't think anyone expected the mass injuries that have happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, we knew the Eagles were going to be injured. They always are every year. But, man, I mean, by it, last year it had my week 14. We're here at week six, man. We're going on to week seven on a short week, on a short week. Let me emphasize that. And we have two offensive starters left on that field. Now, granted, some of those guys have played up to the level of a starter, like a Travis Fulgham. Um, I, well, Greg Ward. yeah, I mean, he's been all right. I'd rather have him. He's more of a fourth wide receiver. He really shouldn't be a starter on a team, but he's fine. He didn't have a good game yesterday. I'll say that, but overall he's been fine. Um, nothing special. And then you've got, um, I mean, well, my has definitely played like a starter. Same with Herbig. Um, but other than that, I mean, you, you want to argue other guys? I mean, Sure, John Hightower's rap run. We'll talk about him later, but I don't even want to get into that uh, yet. But we'll we'll talk about that play. The play every Eagles fan knows we're going to talk about later. We'll do that. Yeah, but um, man, I mean, it's just like it's so like because even though Carson was playing bad these first three games um, of the year, you know, he, I think he's looked. We'll talk about him more too. But like, I think he's looked really, really nice against these defenses the last few games. But y you just wonder, like, if this team had just stayed a little bit healthier. Would they maybe be like two, three, and one right now? And I know that's not much of an accomplishment, but man, I mean, it just seems like every year this this team's medical staff and just I don't know, I don't. It's not just the medical staff, but point being, this team just outdoes their injuries every single year. And this year, it's not even just old guys getting hurt. I mean, at least last year you could point to the roster being old and inexpensive, but I mean, this year it's Jalen Rager, um, Dallas Goddard is out, Miles Sanders is out now. Um, who else you got? You got Avante Maddox out. I mean, that's not really much of a loss, but you, you literally need someone at outside corner just to stand there because there's no one else who, I mean, surprisingly Maddox is an upgrade from the outside corner position right now. And I don't really necessarily even want him back because he's not that much of an upgrade, but 
you got Duke Riley's getting hurt. He's a young guy, younger guy. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't even know what to say about it anymore. They've literally changed their medical staff for the third. They changed it for the third offseason in a row. I've never heard that from any sports team ever, that their medical staff has made the news for the amount of changes they've made three years in a row. Um, I don't even know, man. Like, it's just unreal. Like, last year, I thought last year was bad with the practice squad. Let me just emphasize that again. And we're literally down to Wentz and Kelsey. Watch one of them get hurt on Thursday night. I would not be surprised at all just with the way our luck is. And we're not only that, but we're down to like our third right tackle because Jack Driscoll is now out for Thursday night as well. We might be down to our third right guard because Jamon Brown was awful. I mean, we'll talk about him later too, but like he can't play. I heard someone say you might as well just give him a pink slip on his car and be like, you know what, just don't come back, man. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just unreal. That's all I have to say about it, man. I don't I don't even know at this point. I got you. I mean, it definitely is just like you said, the plague. It really does seem like a plague of its own kind. Part of that is if you ask me just due to the fact that again, no NFL preseason thanks to COVID. That was a big part of it. But also, like you said, man, having a medical staff replaced this often just basically unheard of. Like you don't hear about like a medical staff is one of the few things you're supposed to be able to get completely right in sports. Like you hire the doctors, they have the licensing, and you go from there. Like, I don't know. Do we have people like incapable of just like hiring them? Like, what is it? Like, who's in charge of hiring the medical staff? Like, do we know that? I have no clue. I'll check that up later after this. But, like, it's just incredible. It's incredible to me that there could be this much incompetence for, like, such an important position. Like, football by itself is a dangerous game. Like, you're going to have injuries just by the nature of the game. But, like, this much is just – it's too much, dude. Like, Like you said, two offensive starters left. I wish I had something more to say, but I really don't. Like, let's get our boy Ian Baldwin in there, I guess, at this point. Like, <laughs> like God bless Ian. Hasn't even gone to med school yet. We'll soon, but, like, he can't possibly do any worse than what's going on right now. Like, are they just not stretching? Do they not know how to take care of players' injuries? How to evaluate recovery timelines? Like, what is it? Like, I just really don't know. I don't know, man. It. I can't – I know I'm – uh, sound like a broken record, but I just can't find any other word except unreal. Um, so let's just move on from that. I mean, it's just sad. Um, but again, man, I mean, I know Miles went out at the end of the game. But again, I mean, even before that, they ran the ball with him nine times, dude. And, you know, I know that. 11 the, uh, yards per carry, I believe, was yeah. the average yesterday for the rush. Yeah, and like obviously the big run boosted it up, but he had some nice runs other than that as well, just making something out of nothing. You know, this offensive line is young, even with, you know, not a lot of creativity in the run scheme. You know, you should be able to still have success because it is a base inside zone or zone, just a zone blocking scheme in general. Um, So, I mean, you know, a lot of that does come back to the offensive line, but I mean, nine times, nine times, like we went full air raid yesterday and you know, the, the Ravens had the ball for 36 minutes. Like we, we talked about it before the game, the, the best, the best defense is keeping your offense on the field in this type of game. 
to not let them control the clock like that. And I mean, how many three and outs before we finally got something going? Thanks to Jalen Hurts, who came in was kind of like that little spark plug. Um, we'll talk about him later too. But I mean, I I don't even you have a guy who's fourth in the NFL in rushing yards, and he's getting the ball nine times a game. Imagine where he would be on that leaderboard if he just was actually considered the bell. I mean, he's the bell cow, but imagine if he got the amount of carries a bell cow is supposed to get in offense. That's all I have to say on it. I'll say this again. I hate doing this so much, but we're reminding me more and more of Cowboys teams from the past years, having a premier running back. Like you said, a guy who always gets it done. He's eligible in the past game. Like he's good on that. He can do decent routes. He's good yards after catch. He makes something out of nothing. He's in between the tackles or hits the edge back. Like, Miles really can do it all. But we just go away from him. And whether part of that is due to trying to just, like, follow a play scheme with Doug Peterson's where it's just air raid, like you said, or part of that, again, being the fact that we're going down by, like, 30 points and then you have to throw the ball to get back in the game. Like, either way, like you mentioned, nine runs, that's just not going to do it. Like... If you're a bell cow back, you need to be getting at least, at least, I mean, at least like 14, 15 carries. And that's on the low end. But nine, it definitely ain't nine. I'll say that much. Yeah. Uh, all, all I'll say on the Cowboys is at least, at least we know the caliber of teams they do it against versus <laughs> the teams that we're able to do against. So that's something. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, just to wrap up. Even if he's not getting much room to run, you gotta at least try it like 15 times before you just shut it down, you know. But all right, well, with that said, I mean the guy who's pretty much responsible for it, you can see right there, I have the banner up. It just says, for those of you who are just listening and not watching, it says why Doug Peterson, dot dot dot, just why. I mean, and that pretty much sums it up, man. Um oh, man. I mean, you know what the one everyone knows the one call. Um this was a really, really bad game from Doug Peterson. So I don't know. I, well, I want to hear what you have to say on it. I'm, I need to gather my thoughts for a second and not get too, too angry. Okay. So real quick, <laughs> while you're gathering your thoughts, to reference the call you're talking about for everyone who doesn't quite get it, on the two-point conversion, Doug calls a read option play. Yeah. Like, that was the play with the game on the line and no time left for anything else. That's the play he calls is a read option at the goal line. Like, I don't know. Did w- did he mention whether that was one of the plays they had for the red zone, or whether had they just exhausted it by that point? Was that what he was saying in the press conference? Um, well, for one, he said they had exhausted their plays yesterday. He said, looking back on it, he would have liked to call a timeout and redo it. Um, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, but yeah, they did have the timeout. That's another point to bring up, but. Yeah, that's all he said, though. Even I even did. if that, even, I just want to say quick. Even if your red zone plays are exhausted, I don't know what leads you to do what he did. Um, and I'll I'll explain it a little bit when I go. But I don't want to cut you off. Sorry. I got you. You're good. Like, it's harder to get much more of a simplistic call than a read option, and it's definitely not the call you want your team making with the game on the line, with barely any time left. Like that is not the call to have. And then you can look at it and again, like you mentioned, we really went air raid yesterday despite having a ground game that was producing for us. You see just like, I think you, you were the one who told me this yesterday. Like, 
Doug calling routes where there just wasn't time for them to develop against that Ravens pass, pass rush, leaving no check down option underneath. Like it's the details. And more and more we keep coming back to this. How much of Doug Peterson's original success with this team was because of Frank Wright? Like, I get he's a gutsy coach, and there's something to appreciate about that. But at a certain point, you need to know what a coach's limits are. And gutsy isn't enough to do it all by itself. Like, one of our boys in the chat, Ian, he raised that, should we consider hiring another, like, potential breakout offensive coordinator? Just because, no offense to Doug, but, like, this really doesn't seem like it's his cup of tea, like, I haven't seen any evidence since Frank Reich left to show that Doug Peterson is the offensive is an offensive genius. He's a decent coach, if you ask me, who makes good calls in tough moments. I think that's a lot of what's made his career. It's his willingness to call big plays in big moments. And that's great. And that can win you some big games. But it can also lose you some very much needed games and it's definitely not a consistent approach to just a 16-game season. And you hope that maybe he bounces back because, again, it is Doug. takes time for him to warm up. But, like, again, in years like this where we have a back half of the schedule that's basically a nightmare, like, do we really want a coach who needs time to warm up going forward when other coaches are out here from, like, week one setting the league on fire with new schemes new concepts, dialing up players to, like, all of their strengths. Like, I don't know. In a league that's constantly evolving, I just don't know how much longer we can keep Doug Peterson if he's going to keep coaching like this. Yeah, man, uh, I pretty much agree. I mean, you look at a guy like Chip Kelly who, um, you know, his scheme kind of got figured out by year three. And he was out after year three, probably more because of personnel decisions, obviously. Um, I think if he if he never got – I don't know how long he had control personnel or when he got it. Um, but I think if he hadn't done what he did, he had done with the, the personnel, because, like, obviously DeMarco Murray wasn't a east-to-west running back. He was a north-to-south guy who should have been ran under center. Hence why his first touchdown in the game – the one game Chip Kelly was fired after was a 60-yard touchdown for under, under center. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I do think if he had had the right personnel, um, that he might've been able to continue to have success in the NFL, at least at like a 10 and six level, um, which is more than, more than Doug Peterson can even say at this point, because he's had one season where he's done better than nine and seven. Um, and you know, after point being with Chip Kelly, after a while, your scheme gets figured out and, you know, you kind of saw it with Sean McVay last year and this year he's. He's done a better job, um, but you have to mix things up every game. I think I don't. This is just a theory, but I think sometimes Doug feels that he has to save a lot of what he puts on film. Like he doesn't want to put a lot on film until later in the year when it, um, teams can't really prepare for it. But you know what worries me, man, is this screen game has been really. But they haven't gotten one successful screen. I think they got one to Ertz for like three yards in one game. And that's that's concerning because that is what has saved us in the past few seasons a lot of the time is this screen game. And if, if they can't even rely on that and he's calling nothing underneath either, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, because like you were saying that I, I was, I saw on the film yesterday, um, not on the film, but while re rewatching the game, like I, you can still see the underneath, you can see whether they're running short routes or whether they're running long routes. You can't see the whole field, obviously, because the TV angle, but you can see there's no, there's nothing underneath. And these guys are coming in hot. There's at least seven to nine guys on the line every single play. They're they're all they're all stacked on the line of scrimmage. The Ravens are showing they're they're either coming or they're disguising it. And that's where you gotta have that built in section second option. And if they don't blitz, there, there's more time. You know, there might be still some stunts that your offensive line's got to figure out, but you gotta find ways to, to read and react and get the ball out of his hands once his hands quickly if they do come and also have some longer developing routes in case they don't come like the Fulgham in that. But point being, you've got to have a mix of it some of the time. It can't just be all these long developing routes when Carson Wentz is running around for his life in the, in the pocket the whole game. I mean, the fact that he, he even Carson Wentz even brought us to where we got yesterday was insane. I mean, cause like I was saying in the, the intro, I mean, it wasn't necessarily Doug doing a scheming up a lot. I mean, they got downfield because Wentz was rolling out of the pocket for his life. And Travis Fulgham was, you know, he saw him one-on-one, -on -one, which is, you know, you got to take that with the big body receiver. Worst comes the worst, pass interference on defense, and that's what happened. Very smart play. Um, nothing – it wasn't really anything of Doug's, Doug's uh, responsibility that factored into that. And then after that, he throws that one um, that got us close to the touchdown where he, like, threw it up high to Richard Rodgers. Um, and he got it. the one touchdown went through to Fulgham was not at the scheme or anything. I mean, he literally just threw up a prayer. Um, it reminded me, it eerily reminded me of when we played the Patriots last year and Aguilar dropped that ball at the end of the game. Um, we lost 17, 10 this year. Our guy caught it thankfully. Um, but well, another guy dropped it, but what I mean, we had miles, miles pulled the Aguilar for that one. Oh, I meant um, the one to Fulgham, the touchdown to Fulgham. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Um, the the one to Sanders reminded me of a Goddard touchdown in week three last year um, that he dropped versus the Lions. So um, it was almost like exact same thing, but to the opposite side of the end zone. But, um, but yeah, thankfully Fulgham caught that one. I mean, it was very smart. Throw it up to your big body receiver. Let him go get it. Um, and, I mean – I don't know how he placed that. It was it was probably more luck, so well, more so than like actually just like placing it there. But it was right. It was literally right out of Marcus Peters' reach. Marlon Humphrey couldn't get over in time, and it was perfectly arced too. Um, but point being, I mean, you know, Doug Peterson wasn't really doing much yesterday. He ran the ball nine times, and then the read option. Um, so the first the first second point or two point conversion. Jalen Hurts, it was like it was like um like a zone read. And so instead of a regular read option, Miles was coming sideways and and Hertz was either going to give it to him going that way, or he was going to take up the middle. For one, I don't think they were even going towards I think they were lined up at the right hash for whatever reason. They weren't even I I don't know. I have to, I have to go back and watch that. But if they were not lined up at the left hash, that means there's less real estate, obviously, if you're lined up at the right hash for Sanders to even get outside. Um, and not to mention the Ravens had all these guys on the line and you have, you have Hertz. He's either going to give it off to miles. There was a, a guy who was going to take miles. Um, and that's the guy they were reading, but then you had two other guys coming and blitz 
and they weren't expecting that. So there's two guys on Hertz. I mean, there's no built-in. I mean, it should at least be an RPO where there's a built-in second option where you can at least chuck it up a prayer to someone in the end zone in case it doesn't work out, you know? Um, but no, that didn't happen. And then on the second one, they motioned Rodgers over to, to the side they were doing the read option on. And that brought an extra guy over. So everyone got their man, but you have LJ Fort lined up on the side, like right – I believe he was playing like a nine technique. He was right on the the edge. He was rushing from the edge, basically. And Chuck Clark had been brought over because Rodgers motioned over. Rodgers got to the second level, blocked the guy he was supposed to get, and then Milata got the guy he was supposed to get so that there's supposed to be one guy they were reading on the read option, either hand it off or take it yourself. Either way, it wasn't a good play call, regardless of it ha- if, if it had been executed um, because of where they are on the field. But there wasn't one guy they were reading – because that guy motioned over. So, and the two guys who they were hoping wouldn't blitz for whatever reason, what do you know? They both blitz. And obviously you can't run a read option when you have two guys there because it's designed to read one defender. So again, RPO would have worked there. The the one two point conversion where JJ caught it. um, It was a, it was a very nice play call. All the receivers were very close to each other. I believe it was a bunch formation and bunch left. um, I think it was on the right side um, because uh, JJ caught the en- the touchdown on the right corner of the end zone. Um, oh, I thought he came across. My bad. Oh, you're good. Um, but, yeah, point being, though, um, regardless of where it was, they were close together. It caused a little bit of traffic. Um, surprisingly, I mean, JJ beat his guy one-on-one, which was something to behold. It was Marcus Peters, too, of, all, my eyes. of all people. And um, – and he, he made a beautiful fake inside. Didn't take too long to set up his route. He was wide open too. I mean, there was there was no one within um, within any yards of him. But I mean, great play call. Um, I liked that one. But I mean, really, a read option when the Ravens have been stacking that box or just getting guys on the line all day. Man, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, I mean, it seemed like he always, he. At least in years past, most of the time we would get that two point conversion. But if he's running out of ideas, I mean, and also to go for the first one is questionable too. In the 49ers game, I liked it because we were, we went up, we went up, I believe it was seven nothing at that point and actually helped us win the game too. I, mean, I know if we had made this one, it would have helped us win the game. But um, yeah, in that game, we went up eight seven. And that's huge because that's, you know, you, you just scored, you have the momentum, keep it to the pedal to the metal. And this one, you're down 17. Oh, you take the points that, that you get in that type of game, in my opinion, you know, I, I don't care about win probability and all that, unless we are, we are down by, uh, or not, not down unless we're like, it's a tie game or something, or it's a close game. If you want to go for that and the probabilities there with all your analytics, whatever. But if, if you want to go for it when you're down 17-0 and you finally score off a fumble too, we didn't even score on the run. I mean, we oh, – man, that, that touchdown was just <laughs> – I'll have to post my reaction to that on the, the Instagram. But, uh, yeah, so I know I took a little bit, but Doug Peterson's just – I've had it with him. Um, I know he'll probably make some miraculous comeback the rest of the year. We'll pull off a couple upsets, sneak into the playoffs. And granted, this is a team that I think yesterday, if you can pull out one positive, um, if they do get into the playoffs, there are some teams they could definitely play with. But, I mean, are we going to end up beating them? Probably not. Um, 
So, yeah, this is just a terrible situation right now. I mean, there's going to be some serious uh, questions at the end of the year. Everyone's going to need to look in the mirror and say, what can I do better? You know, sometimes coaches take a year off and after coaching for a while, you know, they say, I need a, like, I need a year off from football to just rethink my scheme. Mike McCarthy did it, and now he's back with the Cowboys. Now, obviously, the Cowboys aren't really necessarily doing that well, but there have been a lot of coaches who have done it, and they come back with kind of a new mindset. I'm not saying that's Doug yet, but it's getting to that point. So um, it's just like I, I just don't get why there's not an offensive coordinator, and there's like 10 offensive minds in the building, and it's the same offense that we've seen in recent years, except it's, you know, it's, I'm starting to think it's really not even Mike Rowe from last year. Because it looks the same. It doesn't look any different, really. So, um, I don't know, man. I know it took a while, but uh, you want to just move on? You want to just move on from Doug Peterson? Yeah. All right. Um, first off, let's get to these comments. What's up, Philly Fresh? Appreciate you joining in, bro. Drop any comments or, or questions that you have for us. Ryan Rowe, appreciate you dropping in, man. Appreciate all the support recently. You've been really supporting the channel. So it means a lot. Man. Um, and then Drew Johnson, what's going on, man? Been a little bit since we've seen you in here. Um, thank you for joining in. Uh, like the uh, like the profile picture with a, a goat boy jersey, it looks like. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Doug's scripted plays were, were awful. <laughs> we would agree. Um, and then we've got a username I'm not going to say because it is sinful to say it as an Eagles fan, but, uh, both of our teams are decimated with injuries. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, appreciate you joining in first before I say this, I just want to preface it with that, but we are down to two offensive starters man, and we're down, we're down to our third right tackle. We might be down to our third right guard in this game. I'm sorry, but there is no one in this league, even with all the injuries this year, that is anywhere close to the level from this year and from the past four years either. So I, that's all I have to say on that. I don't know if you have anything to say, Sanjay, but the, I'll put it this way: the Giants lost their entire receiving core in one game. Yeah, over five weeks. We no six, six yeah, weeks six. now. Six yes, yeah. dang, the trauma has made time so seem like it's going faster. But over six weeks, we have lost pretty much two thirds of our secondary. We have lost our entire offensive line almost. We have lost. We've lost pretty much our almost entire wide receiving core. Again, we've had to pull up practice squad, guys. We've lost linebackers. We've lost defensive linemen. Like, you can, if you name the position, we've probably lost somebody at it, except for quarterback. <laughs> like, you can probably take your pick of position. We've probably lost somebody over this, like, six game stretch. Like, I get it. You guys have lost some, like, key pieces. But, Losing, to put it in like easy, to put it in like an analogy, you've lost key pieces. We've just lost almost every single piece. Yeah. <laughs> and not to mention on the offensive line, we have lost some of the backup offensive line already now. Like we are getting to the third string offensive line at this point in the game or in the, in the season. Um, not to mention Miles Sanders is out for one to two weeks now. Zach Ertz wasn't doing anything, but he at least attracts attention from the defense. He's out three to four weeks. We're down to Richard Rodgers and Jason Kroom. Jason Kroom, who played one snap and caught the touchdown in the snap, which is insane. Um, but Jason Kroom is going to be our, probably our starting tight end on, on Thursday. And all, all these injuries, we're playing on a short week, too. What a perfect recipe. Um, 
man, I mean, it's just insurmountable. But uh, if you want, bro, we actually did talk about it in the beginning of the video. So feel free to scroll back to that if you want. Um, you don't have to now. I will put timestamps on the video probably like an hour or two after we're done. So you can skip wherever if, if you want. But appreciate you joining in though, bro. Um, we got some more stuff coming up on the live. Drew Johnson says the front office is a mess. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The the way that the way this team was constructed with some of the personnel is very concerning. But um yeah, I mean, let's talk about Carson Wentz. Um, you know, we said he stepped up last week, but he still needed to improve a little bit. I know it was all in the fourth quarter, but I mean, considering everything that led up to the fourth quarter, it's hard to really criticize him for a lot of what happened. So um, I mean, I can go first on this one if you want, man, but whew, it, yeah, it's tough. Um Carson really did play a great game. Like you see, I think the, th the big difference I see is those first three games, he was very inaccurate and the mechanics were off for whatever reason. It's been better. Like when he's been hitting guys recently, it's been pretty spot on. There were a lot of passes yesterday where, you know, Fulgham dropped one on that fourth and five. Um, the Hail Mary we were talking about, you can argue if you want that, that he should have caught that too. Um, there's a case for both sides, but I'm, I mean, um, I'm willing to say he could have caught that. I mean, Again, we shouldn't have been in that situation, but you know the high. Obviously, the high tower one, the Sanders one was dropped. Um, there was another one where Fulgham was not the hail mary, but there's another one for Fulgham was in the end zone, um, running towards the pylon, and it kind of went through his hands because the defender had his hand on his visor. Um, not the hail, not the hail mary one, different one, but that's another one that is a you know a pass that could be caught. Not bashing Fulgham, great game for him. Um, I mean, he's a diamond in the rough by at this point. We'll talk about him later. But you look at all that, you look at the position he was put in by his coach with all that pressure coming every single snap, even when there wasn't pressure sent. Yeah, Jamon Brown gave up nine pressures in this game. Um, Jordan Mailata gave up a few. He was he was very solid. Um, he's really grown before our eyes, but he, you know, he's still gonna make some mistakes. Um, and then, you know, you had Brett Tawthon there, who's the third string right tackle. I didn't watch any film with him. I actually plan on maybe doing a film breakdown of him. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, point being, he's running around in the pocket for his life, making some of these plays. Um, the fumble can't happen. First off, I mean, um, most fumbles is usually just him with a lack of ball security. That one I do have to give a lot of credit to whoever stripped it out. I mean, they were they were punching the ball out all day long, um, and he was almost down, and they were still fighting to jar that ball out. Credit to them for a great play. Not an excuse for Carson. That can happen. Um, there was one play on a rollout where he missed Ertz. Ertz probably could have dove for it, but it was, you know, it wasn't on the money. Could have been on the money. And I'm trying to think. There was a, a lot of the picks that went through their hands. I mean, he was getting hit, like, right off the line. I mean, you, you know, a lot of people were like, he had three to four dropped interceptions. But, I mean, he was getting slammed around when he was throwing those. It wasn't exactly like he was just making a bad read. It was that by the time he had thrown the ball, it was, you know, he had been, he had no time to throw that he had gotten hit and the ball wasn't able to get enough momentum because there were some lasers he threw yesterday. I mean, that ball he threw to Hightower for 40 yards was on a rope. Um, luckily, Hightower kind of made up for it later. I mean, at that point, I was just, I was so fed up with the game that I wasn't even excited about it. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely things that Carson has to clean up. He was not perfect, but I thought the way he fought, the mental toughness with, with the squad that was out there and, you know, just the improvement in accuracy and mechanics we have seen. 
the, the box score will not tell the full score. I'm sorry, Max Kellerman. You, you know, if you want to watch the 10 minute highlight video of the game, go for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, if you have anything to nitpick with Carson, go for it. Um, I I probably didn't mention a lot of mistakes. Again, biased, big Carson fan here, but I really did. Th- I, I did think he played well, especially considering the position he was put in and the defense that he was playing against. So. I got you. I mean, don't get it twisted, man. I am a Carson fan. I've been critical of him these past few games, but that's because he's given me reason to be critical of him. Like I have defended him against for countless years now. Like since he got here, I've been a believer in Carson. I will continue to be until he proves me wrong. He, once again, just the Superman mentality. I don't know what, I don't know how many times it's going to have to be repeated by smaller channels like ours, the national media. I get he it, he can make that big plays happen out of nowhere. He really is that clutch. He's got that talent. He's got that ability. But sometimes pull the ball down. Another big thing is ball security. Like he is consistently turning the ball over now, whether that's on his receivers or on him. At a certain point, when the trend starts to develop, you got to worry a little bit. I'm less worried about the turnovers though, and more again about that Superman mentality. Because while it is great to be able to have that talent to make big plays. You have to know when it's time to use that talent and when it's time to just chuck the ball away, when it's time to secure the ball on a run and just go to the ground. It's those things, the little things. I don't really have any big issues with Carson. I think he's shown, as of right now, I think he's shown a lot of improvement over the past few weeks. I think his mechanics still need a little bit of an uptake because from listening to like smaller podcast channels and like even your own film analysis, like, he needs to improve those mechanics a little bit, the footwork, the way he goes through his arm motions, the way he progresses through reads. Those detailed things need to get pick up, picked up a bit. I don't know who holds him responsible for that now, but somebody's got to hold him responsible for that, or he's got to find the inspiration in himself to do it. I know what Carson can be in these past two games. The bursts of offense he's led have shown that he still has that in him, but he's got to start tidying things up. He's got to start getting the details right, and he's got to start – learning to make the maturity plays. Like we talk about Aaron Rodgers, like being one of the best QBs in the league. And part of that is, I know like this last week, he didn't exactly have the best performance, but part of that is him knowing sometimes when there isn't a play, despite his talent and the ability he has to make plays, he just chucks the ball away because he knows there's nothing here. I've done my best. The defense short up here. We'll give them this one. I feel like when Wentz really learns how to think like that, he's going to take that next big step of yeah, um, I think I think it was good because we did see him throw the ball away a couple of times yesterday too. So that was uh, a really good sign to see because that's kind of like the next level in his uh, in his development. Um, I have to look at the mechanics for myself. Uh, there's probably work to do there. I again think it'd be better if Press Taylor wasn't in the building, um, not making any adjustments. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think consensus here is there's really nothing else he could have done yesterday. Um, to put this, or I mean, even the Steelers game, there wasn't really anything else you could have done to put this team in a position to win. Um, so, uh, what's up? Let's go, birds. Yes, the one dislike is Doug Peterson. We, yeah, we've, we've been getting like one dislike on a couple videos. It, it might be the Cowboys fan who came in here not long ago. <laughs> um, because he's mad that that the Cowboys are losing 14 nothing right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that little job. Hey, actually, there. yeah, let me check uh, out. See how Kyler's doing for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are down 14 nothing. Appreciate you dropping in. Let's go, birds. 
Um, Drew Johnson, Carson wasn't issued. Doug didn't help him at all. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was just uh, – You got to give him part of the blame, but I agree. Doug was definitely a bigger part of the issue yesterday. I don't know, man. I, I have a tough time giving him blame with those longer developing routes that were, were there and the no built-in second option on half the plays. Because, again, like there was there was like maybe three throws or three decisions um, that I was saw from the film was like the missed throw to Ertz in the rollout, um, the one fumble, and then um, the there was like maybe one interception that went through the hands um, that that maybe could have caused the game. But there were so many other things that led up to that before that, and we were already down 17-0 and a lot of that happened. Like if John Hightower does catch that ball, I think maybe we're on top to start the game. So – it's hard to really like if I think for yesterday it's it's hard to blame Carson. It's it's a lot of nitpicking if we're gonna if we're gonna put a lot of the blame on Carson too. Um, I think it's really it really comes down to Doug and execution as well. Um, but uh, let's go, Birds is still in here. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely Doug Peterson who disliked this, but or the Cowboys fan um, Zeke looking like I oh, I've been watching the game. What's going on, man? He fumble in the. Oh, two fumbles on the last drives that led the Cardinals CDs. I'm looking at it right now. Um, Doug, let's go bird says Doug isn't helping a coach and a scheme look like the Browns. Some, Oh, like you mean like the Kevin Stefanski stuff? I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know if we really have the offensive line to do that or the personnel right now. Oh, we definitely don't. He runs yeah. a lot of plays that go like the pick routes underneath. We don't have time to get all that to develop. We don't have the receivers. It's I don't pull that off legally either. It's a lot of uh, under center runs too, um, which we do sometimes, but like, it's a lot of, I don't know. There's just something different about Kevin Stefanski and the way he sets up his scheme. I would prefer if the Eagles had a fullback. I've been asking for it for years. Um, but Elijah Holyfield, come back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want him playing fullback, but I would definitely love him to be on the active roster. Um, Ryan Rose says it, it wasn't to do with Carson Wentz. You did step up the scheme. I think Doug Peterson didn't execute the right game plan and adjustments. That's fair. Um, I think we've kind of we've kind of like gone over that that topic pretty pretty thoroughly. So I think it's time to move on. Um, I mean, Travis Volga, man. I mean, I know he wasn't perfect yesterday, but against those corners, for him to even put up the numbers he did with the, the again the game plan against how many people were coming at Carson and the amount of time he had to, to stay in the pocket. Um, certainly some miscues from Travis, but I do think that you know just what we've seen from him in the past three weeks just shows like this is not a flash in the pan. So what do you have to say about that? I mean, again, two game sample size. So I don't want to overreact, but like you said, it is very promising, very encouraging. This is one of those few specific encouraging things you can take from this game is that he really is showing that he has it as a receiver, whether it's just in the sharpness, he runs routes, being able to get separation from the defender, landing those contested catches. And the biggest thing to me, this is really important, is connection with Wentz. Him and Wentz have impeccable timing for having played together for such a short period of time. Like, the way they're connecting on passes is a great thing to watch. And it's especially needed now that Ertz is out, and especially after the way Ertz has been playing late. Because that's where Ertz used to be, that connection for Wentz. He could always be there, that reliable option. If it was one-on-one, you were like, we're taking Ertz. Like, with Ertz digressing a little bit and now obviously being out, Fulgham having that connection for Wentz is going to be huge just for Wentz's confidence and I think the rhythm of the offense as a whole. 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's really good to see because Fulgham's a guy who you can you can already see like you can just put a ball on him and with his catch radius, he's gonna go up and get it. And I mean you saw it on the one touchdown yesterday too. I mean, that was just an absolute prayer. Um but yeah, I mean he's just looking like the real deal. His route running is spot on for a kid who, you know, wasn't even on the team a couple weeks ago. I mean, Nate Sudfeld told Carson, like, you're going to love this kid. That's what I heard. And I mean, he was, he was darn right. Um, it's, it's been fun to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of Jersey sales for him come Christmas time. Oh yeah. Hopefully, um, hopefully Marquis Goodwin changes his number uh, so that everyone can wear the jerseys and have the right number Jersey, but um, lucky number 13 is here. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, just, just the body balance, the control that he has, um, you know, smart, smart kid. I mean, went to old dominion, his parent, he, he lived overseas pretty much his whole life until ninth grade and didn't play football until 11th grade, picked it up very quickly. Didn't get any D one offers. His coach knew the old dominion coach and that's how he got a spot. Uh, his story is pretty amazing. I mean, he's a fighter. He, I, I really do think this guy is, you know, it just doesn't look like this is a flash in the pan type of thing. Like, you know, maybe like a, a Greg Ward last year who probably isn't going to play up to that level of performance that he did in some of those games. Um, Fulgham is just a guy who you can, you can go to very often in the game um, because of his, you know, just all his technique too. Very good, very sound player. Um Technically and mentally, you can just tell. So I'm excited to see um, him moving forward. He's just been – it's just been incredible to watch him play. He's pretty much what J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was supposed to be coming out of the draft. So it's been encouraging to at least get someone like that. Um, uh, let's go. Birds is updating us on the Dallas game. Or he says, uh, Fulgham is the real deal. I said after the 49ers game that he were our best receiver in the year, and people laughed at me. That's fair that people laughed at you, though. It is uh, that was a one-game sample size, but props to you for for calling that. Um, they just put Tony Pollard in the game. Uh, come on, Zeke, gotta hold on to the ball, buddy. But um, uh, let's go versus and Tony Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard's a good player, man. I he would probably be a starting running back on a decent amount of teams. Um, Drew Johnson says uh, TF13 is the nickname. TF13 is the nickname we gave him. Looks like your your nickname has been bumped out of the room somewhere. My nickname has been dethroned. That's a better nickname. I approve. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to talk about something that was pretty interesting. I mean, this was kind of what got the offense going. Jalen Hurts, man, I mean, when he came on the field, this offense looked a lot different, and um, they definitely received a, a little extra, like, spark. Again, you know, you, you see the types of plays he's, he's involved in. He's not going to be used as a quarterback this year. That's that's probably very unlikely. Maybe if we're out of the playoffs, but I don't I don't know. If, it doesn't seem like they're ready to do that, um, unless you know Carson gets hurt or something. But let's just talk about like um, the ways they've been using him. I mean, what do you think about it? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. They've shown a lot of different looks with him so far. It seems like there's going to be more to come. Last uh, yesterday was the first time he really got more involved in the game plan and. It helped. I mean, it was a big part of it, even on the one. Um, well, I'll save this for when I talk about it. But yeah, I mean, he was he was a big part of it, even when he wasn't touching the ball. So what do you think about it so far, man? I think the, he's becoming a really huge distraction on those gadget plays. It's just the one defenses have no film on him. You don't really know what to expect. And also as a backup quarterback as well, you have to respect the 
threat of him in the past game at any given point that he's on the field. You don't know, again, like what could happen. Like literally, for crying out loud yesterday, Wentz threw it to him. He threw it back to Wentz. I'm like, that's some like high school cheese. Like that's what you draw up in like the dirt playing like flag football with the boys. Like, I mean, he's definitely like an interesting like touch of spice to the offense, but I just don't know how much I believe in it to come in clutch in the long run consistently. Like, at a certain point, like how impactful really will Hurts be in these types of plays? Like they're great for a change of pace every once in a while. And if you've got the lead or you are got a good bit of momentum in a game, I can see how Jalen Hurts' plays would like really help you to like cement your momentum, make sure that you still had a lot of energy going with your team. And it's a morale raiser. Like let's be real. When you see a play like that go off for your team, you're like, wow, we really got some guys out there. But I don't know if it necessarily leads to wins per se. Like we've seen it. Those plays are more in like very like minute spots, not really like clutch goal line scenarios, not really impactful scoring plays. Like I just don't know how much I believe in the Jalen Hurts involvement at the level it's at right now. Maybe if Doug incorporates him into the offense more and more in different ways it'll become more impactful towards getting us wins. But right now I see it as more of a gimmick than anything else, honestly. I'll tell you what, I think Thursday night, it's going to be a big part of the offense because you're down Miles Sanders. Um, you know, you're down your, your, both of your right tackles. Now you're, you might be starting a third string right guard of Javon Brown. If they decide to go away from him. So I could definitely see him being involved this week. Um, you know, obviously, at the you know we're past the second round pick at this point. The way they're using him is nowhere near worth the second round pick. We got that's the, that's beyond the point. Um, but yeah, I mean I I've really liked how they've used him on the sand. One thing I was going to say before I um, started rambling on uh, before the question <laughs> um, was uh, on the Miles Sanders run. Um, it's actually a play from Madden that I knew, <laughs> which is which is crazy. Um, you know you know the offense is getting toned down when it's from Madden. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, it was a it was a very nice play call. Um, they were a bunch and they had um, it's a reverse play except or a fake reverse. So they had Hertz was the receiver who was coming on the reverse. Um, and they actually ran something similar the week before they had Hertz going to reverse. They tossed it to him and then he was going to throw the ball. Now, usually on that play, it's just the wide receiver running it. Um, but since you have Hertz there and he, ha he has the threat to throw um, that keeps the defense off guard. And so on the play that Sanders, he went up the middle Hertz came across formation and blocked one guy, but Hertz came around the back and was on that fake reverse. And there were two guys waiting there for him. So they were, they were not going to let him, I guess they had seen it on film, but this time they, the Eagles didn't run the same play that they ran the week before. And because those guys were containing the edge and were so worried about that, Sanders got a huge hole open in the middle and got downfield. I know he fumbled it into the end zone, but point being, it was a major play in the game. Um, props to Jason Kelsey. He made an, a couple amazing blocks on that play. And then, Obviously, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, um, you know, he's terrible. But, I mean, props to him for continuing to block downfield, just the effort he showed, and to be there when the ball was fumbled. Because if he doesn't keep blocking on that play, that's probably turnover, and we probably just get blown out 30-0 this game. Um, so props to him. I was telling Sanjay, like, J.J. really is the best hype man on the team. Um, like, if I have to give him a compliment for anything, literally every time someone scores, he is always in the end zone 
celebrating with his teammates. And I do have to give him credit for that. Like um, he really is like a really good teammate. Touchdown Cardinals. Let's go, baby. Um, close to 20 or it's going to be 21 or Cardinals. Kyler just threw a big touchdown, but um, yeah, I mean, credit to him. He's a really good teammate about it. He puts in a lot of effort. Um, but yeah, in terms of Jalen Hurts, I'm getting a lot off topic a little bit. I mean, um, I would love to see more of it. Again, like you said, it's probably not going to result in wins per se, but it can definitely help keep this offense moving when things get a little stale, especially if Doug is exhausting, exhausted all his play calls by 14 plays in the red zone. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm interested to see how they continue to use him. I think they will use him more and more. I think this is just the beginning, and um, I don't think they're just going to continue using him this specific way. It's been really good. And props to Carson. I mean, Carson is doing a really good job blocking on all those plays that Hurts is running on, too. Um, I mean, the run blocking on this team by wide receivers and, um, I mean, Carson, obviously, when he's out there and other guys has been good. Um, I have to give credit to them. But, yeah, I'm excited to see how Jalen Hurts gets involved. Again, I'm, I'm not talking about the second-round pick. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, the draft is over. That's behind us. But – um, yeah, so let's go through a few of these comments now. Um, dude, we, let's go. Bird says, dude, we got to start sprinkling in some Jalen Hurts passes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one pass he had last week, too, was such an odd formation. I liked that, too. Very good play. I had no idea what was going on in that formation. I was just like, this exactly. is really badly. Exactly, man. So, but that was the thing. It confused the, the Steelers' defense. Um, I tweeted, it's, it is sad that we need our rookie backup QP to spark this offense. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, um, let's go, Bird says. Oh, he's talking about the Cowboys game again. Um, Got to ask, who's the guy to the right? Um, this is Sunjay. Or, sorry. Sun, uh, wait, wait. Sunjay. Oh, there there yeah, there you go. You got uh, the, the, the camera is mirrored and everything, so I'm screwed up. So this is Sunjay. I'm Hunter. Um, yeah, we're, we're from Philly Insider. Yeah, just a couple guys from Philly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, let's go, Birds. Jason Gales. Yes, he got an amazing block on that play I was talking about. He got two blocks on that play. Um, very good. Drew Johnson says, Jalen was a good change of pace, but unsustainable. Pretty much what Sanjay was saying. Would agree. Um, let's go, Birds. says, I told y'all JJ would play fullback. He threw a good block, and plus fullbacks can't run roots. It makes perfect sense. He's, he does that. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't have the frame, though, to play fullback. I mean, um, those guys are pretty beefy. It, it would make a lot more sense to switch him to tight end, like they're doing with Akeem Butler, but they never thought to try it out with J-Jaw. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I wrote my article about J-Jaw. Um, I don't know if you, you read the whole thing, but I, you know the one I wrote. It said, um, J-Jaw or J.J. Ortega Whiteside has career day, kind of. That was the article title. And it had a picture of him getting lifted up by the offensive line, and it was just – so ironic. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it's, it's the weirdest, weirdest article I've ever written. Like I, when I was writing the title, I was like, this is so weird, but yet such a fitting title. Um, but yeah, if they switch him, he's going to, I think it's going to have to be tight end because well, one, you're uncertain about Ertz. I'm not saying he's going to work out tight end. You know, it's a long shot at this point, either change of scenery or position change is the only way J jaw is really going to work out in the league. Um, that's just the reality of it. And blocking downfield against defensive backs is a lot different than, blocking linebackers and defensive linemen in the interior. So, um, but the only way we could really fix it is switch to tight end because, you know, Ertz is obviously his future is uncertain. Um, Goddard is really good, but you have to wonder with how big his frame is, how many hits he's going to take over his career, what the longevity is going to be there. Um, 
And then you've got Josh Perkins, who's good, but he's injured the whole year. You don't know, you know, is he really the second tight end you want moving forward? Richard Rogers, very good third tight end. I think he's a good safety blanket for when we are down tight ends. I think you've seen that the past few weeks. He's more of a blocking tight end. But again, I want him to be the third string. I don't want him being the second string guy, ideally. And then you've got Hakeem Butler, who they are is a project right now. Um, they need they need a second tight end to groom behind Ertz. Or not Ertz, sorry, Goddard. Um, because it really is important to have two good tight ends. And maybe we'll end up drafting one. Wouldn't hurt to switch stage all there at that at that point in my in, in in this point where we are with him. It's just like you might as well try it. That's my opinion on it. Um but yeah, sorry, I went on a little long rant on that comment. Um <laughs> Christian Kirk, ADRTD. Let's go, man. Uh, points. It's a, the, don't worry. The Cowboys are going to – it's going to be like the game that we had yesterday. The Cowboys are going to come back. They'll fall short. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I'll say they'll win. Um, just a little uh, little jinx on them there. But uh, um, Drew Johnson said, yeah, um, I didn't see this comment, but he says, no, nah, they should convert JJ to TE. He has to put weight on, but doable. Yeah, I'm about there with you too. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean – there's really nothing else you can you, you can at least say you tried it, you know. Um Kirk used the same route Rager got on his 50 yard catch. Yeah, I miss Rager. Sunjay misses Rager a lot. Um so that's I miss his guy. so much. <laughs> Pairing him with Travis Fulgham when uh when he's back is going to be something special. I want Rager back so badly. <laughs> so badly. Drew Johnson says need to fix the run game. With that said, Miles is out. <laughs> what is the answer at running back? So um, you want to go first on this one, or you want me to go first? Okay, so I think you'll have a more detailed answer, so I'll go first because I think mine will be okay. simpler. The main premise really is we do have to go back to running back by committee. Like, it's just a more efficient way to do the run game when you don't have a bell cow back on your team, which with Miles injured, we do not. <laughs> uh, Corey Clement can get some short yard situations. Boston Scott is good in spurts. Like, he's a good change of pace. But I'm telling you, man, and you wrote an article about him, and we talked about this guy a bit earlier in the year. Elijah Holyfield would be so useful right now. Elijah Holyfield is this guy on our practice squad who's basically a power back, big guy, knows the playbook, been with us for a little bit. He, as a big power back, is what I think we need to complete our running back by committee, just because on those first downs, you want to call run plays, just run him straight up the gut, watch him bulldoze a couple guys, get solid three to four yards put you in second and short. And then if you want to just keep hammering it with him until you're in maybe third and short, then you can go a change of pace to a passing back like Boston Scott or Corey Clement if you want. Maybe just have people rotate in and out depending on the scenario. Like I really do think bottom line that our team needs to go back to running back by committee. And I think we need to pull up Holyfield to take up that power back spot. So we have diversity among the running backs that we start. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I agree. I mean, um, like Sanjay said, I wrote an article about him. He's a really good power back. Again, like I, I talked about, he came from Georgia. They had Todd Gurley, DeAndre Swift, and Nick Chubb come out of there. Um, oh, and Sony Michelle, too. Forgot him. Um, and obviously, those guys are more so lead backs. Most of them are more so like your lead back um, on the field. But we're not asking Holyfield to be a lead back. We are asking him to be the role player that he was at Georgia and that we know he can be. Um, and you look at the running back roster behind miles and again, miles is the bell cow. Um, I, I have no problem with that. So it's, it's not, it's not an issue, but you look at that, that depth chart, you do need like someone, you know, the giants at least have Wayne Gallman, nothing special, but at least when Saquon goes down for obviously not a whole year, they had to pick up someone. 
But when he goes down in spurts, they Gallman knows the offense. He has been in that situation before. He can do a decent enough job. And the Eagles don't have that guy. You know, Corey Clement, it really – I'm sorry. It just looks to me like he doesn't have it anymore after the Super Bowl year. I love him for that. It was an amazing story. Undrafted rookie from the area who grew up as an Eagles fan and watched the Phillies win the World Series as a kid. But I just don't think he – I don't think he has it, man. I'm sorry. I, You know, they've tried to use him. I know there hasn't been a ton of room to run. But we saw what Corey Clement was in that Super Bowl year, and it, I don't even think we could put him out lined up at a receiver anymore like he was back then. I really do think he's lost a step after all these injuries. Um, Boston Scott, I know a lot of people are criticizing him. He just doesn't have room to run. I mean, I don't know how people expect him to be successful. Again, people are going to say, well, Miles is run. Yes, Miles is the bell cow. Like, yes, he's going to have, you know, he's going to make some plays. Boston Scott is a guy who they used on jet touch passes. They used him on screen passes. The screen game has like non-existent this year. They used him on swing passes. Um, they used him. They used him in a lot of ways, pitches, stuff like that. Point being, they're not using him like that this year. In the few snaps they're giving him, half the time they're using him in pass protection. He's not a pass protecting back. I don't, if Miles is off the field, you need someone who's good in pass protection. And Elijah Holyfield is that guy who had, you know, he has a strong track record of pass protection. He hasn't played an NFL game before, so it might be a little difficult at first. But that is one of his strengths from what the scouts are saying. If he does bad, you guys can, can come and ridicule me if you want on if he's not good in pass protection. But that I'm just telling you what I have heard. I'm not saying he's going to be some star. But, you know, like I said, just on first down, run him up the gut. We saw it with Jordan Howard last year in the beginning of the year. Just getting closer to that third – making that third down and second down more manageable is huge. And when we were getting stopped on the sneaks yesterday, we just didn't have, it seemed like there was no hope on a, a short yardage play. Also on Sunday, like it would be so nice to have a power back here. Like LeGarrette, like we had with LeGarrette a couple years. Even Josh Adams in 2018 was so impactful as that power back. He had 500 rushing yards that year. Um, and, you know, you need a power back right now. Your, your backups, they need a pass protect. Holyfield fills both of those needs. If he doesn't do well, send him back down after a few games. Um, and I'm an Adrian Killens guy. He's not going to fix the problem right now. Maybe maybe you call him up as another playmaker for this week, but he's not going to fix the problem that that has really haunted the back of the seven. You got Jason Huntley, um, who I was telling Jay about, who's you know smaller guy, very fast. I, I like them. You know, fifth round pick by the Lions. They tried to sneak him through waivers. We we took notice of it. Very smart move to bring him in. Dude's played one snap. I mean, what are you doing if he's if he's not if he's getting one snap? He's taking up a roster spot. Man, I mean. So, yeah, I mean, uh, just to answer your question, thanks for your question, Drew. Um, you guys, you can tell, pretty passionate about this question. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my answer. Also, I mean, we're playing the Giants. We got the Giants slayer in Boston Scott. He is if, – if there was any game that he could save a big performance for, it is, it's this Thursday. So, um, do not be surprised. Be warned, Boston Scott might just go off on Thursday since it's the Giants. But, um, yeah, uh, let's go through a few more of these comments. Um is Jalen Hurts playing in weeks? I, I believe so. I don't think he's injured or anything. Um, he should be playing in week seven. Um, and maybe you meant Jalen Rager. I don't think he's going to play because it's a short week and he still needs recovery time. Um, if we still have one win by week 10, which I doubt because we got a few divisional games, never know. <laughs> um, coming hurt. Yeah, me and, me and Sanjay have said this in a few previous podcasts. If it does get to that point where we lose to the Giants twice um, or, or we lose to the next two games, Yes, you're gonna to have to start. We hurts. lose to the Cow. We lose to the Giants and the Cowboys, like you just said. I think it's almost guaranteed. Hurts at least has to get some snaps at QB. Maybe not start yeah. him, but he has to get consistent snaps at QB if we lose to the Giants and the Cowboys. 
Yeah. And, and that doesn't even matter whether you're a Carson Wentz guy or not. They just need to see what he has and get him some experience as a quarterback. So you can at least like maybe shop him if, if he isn't the answer to, um, because that's what, when he was drafted, they were talking about, maybe you can shop him like the Patriots did with Jimmy G a few years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it really does hurt that he didn't get a preseason this year because that's where he would kind of show maybe whether we could shop him or not. But yeah, um, long story short, that's, that's, uh, we talked about it in the previous pods. Um, yeah, we got to bring Holy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We got to bring Holyfield up. Is there an opportunity? Adrian Killens will come back to the Eagles. Um, so I can, I can just answer this quickly if you want, Sanjay. Uh, Doug did hint at it. Doug hinted at it apparently in the press conference. There's a chance he's going to be up on the roster this week. So we'll see. Um, I know that's Philly Notion's guy. Shout out Philly Notion, but I don't know if it's <laughs> going to be a great thing. So we're getting a lot of Jamon Brown comments. So I, I find it fitting to just <laughs> switch right into this, man. <laughs> Um, we don't have to go over this for too long, man. But what happened? What happened in this Eagles debut? Dude, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. I mean, I get he got called in a terrible situation. He's a third stringer for a reason. But <laughs> I think we got a comment in here to, like, put it uh, – cutting out the profanity, like, at least act Wentz, like, himself. Like, it was – it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. If we have to keep putting him out there, you hope with a bit more preparation and him actually knowing that he's starting, that he gets a bit more of his feet under him. And it was the Ravens' defensive line too. That has to also be brought into like the get into the whole thing. It didn't look pretty, bro. And I mean, third string offensive lineman. You just got to realize when you're down to your third string offensive lineman. You just can't expect starter quality anymore. If they give you starter quality. I mean, God, like, God bless you. But this is pretty much what a third-string offensive lineman looks like. Like, I get he was awful, but he's a third-stringer for a reason. Like, yeah, not much else to say. He was bad, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because he was a veteran, and last year he played pretty well against Fletcher Cox when he was with the Falcons. So I was like, maybe he'll still have it here, but there's a reason he kind of didn't really get picked up after last year. Um, and it was his first game. He was thrust into a terrible situation, like you said. Not only his first game, but against the Ravens defensive line um, or defensive front, uh, rather. But, uh, oh, I think Michael Gallup just t- dropped the touchdown. Won't see that too often. <laughs> nice to see some other NFC East teams having the same luck we are. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, oh, Jamon Brown was – so bad. And and this is me from from last week. Or you look at our last week's podcast. And I, I was really upset with Matt Pryor. And I want Matt Pryor back right now. Like that's how bad it has gotten that I I, I am desperate for Matt Pryor to play this Thursday. Um and he only thing is he only has to test negative a couple of times for COVID. So there's a good chance he'll be back. We'll see. I mean it's not a guarantee. You don't know with this COVID thing what's gonna happen. Um we might have to end up starting Sua Opeta because obviously Jamon Brown is the answer, but um, yeah, he was awful. There's, there's not much else to say about it. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go. Bird says, if I was adjusting his ratings, I would make him a 44. <laughs> well, he got a, he got like a 49 grade on pro football focus this week. So, um, Drew Johnson says it seems simple enough. What is with this coaching staff? Too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. We were yeah, talking I about that. that. I think there's like negative one chefs in the kitchen. Like <laughs> there's, it seems like every every coach 
is waiting for someone else to come up with the creativity, the scheme. And like a coach I'll say who I agree, who I always have faith in is Schwartz. And even Schwartz has been pretty cold this year. Like we really, we need somebody to bring some creativity to this coaching scheme, like to this staff. It just seems like everybody's looking to each other for it and it's just not happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, more so to touch on like, I think the offense is where there's so many chefs in the kitchen, whether they're doing something or not, they brought in all these guys. Um, I was just going to say, you can scroll back earlier in the podcast, but like they brought in all these guys and they're not even using any of their ideas. Um, except Rich Gangarell was play calling at the, in the two minute drill that one game we scored both times, but, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely, there's too many guys there and all of them don't even know what they're doing. So, um, Drew Johnson says, LOL, Matt Pryor, man, shaking my head. Same, same. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's wrap up with a few more quick questions. Um, let's talk about Josh Watt, a little, little bit of positive, man. seems like every game he's making big plays. Um, I can go first on this one. This is a guy, I mean, I called him for my breakout star of the year a couple of times over the summer and it's been pretty, been pretty good pick so far. I've been very happy with how he's played. I'm a big Josh Sweat guy. He's winning off the edge against – I mean, he's played some pretty good um, offensive linemen in recent weeks too. Got to consider that. And, you know, last game I, I was like, it's Lamar Jackson. He's probably not going to get a ton of sacks. He just needs to make sure he gets pressure and contains that edge. And he got a lot of pass deflections in this one that were huge. And even when he didn't get pass deflections, he was getting he was getting to Lamar Jackson's blind side. So – um, I mean, he's been great this year, um, and he's not even playing like 100% of snaps each week. He's got he's got a lot a lot a long career ahead of him. Um, I mean, he looked solid last year too. A lot of beat reporters were calling for this as well before the season started. They said Joshua is going to be um, probably a guy who the national media might take notice of by the end of the year. So we'll see if that happens. But um, he certainly had the number so far, even when he's not getting the box score. Um, on certain plays, he's still making an impact. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you called it. Like, this boy is showing out. I mean, his snaps are mostly limited the past few years. But, like, he's been getting more and more into the rotation, and he's been proving himself more and more with those increased snaps. Like, especially considering that our defensive line is, like, getting a little bit older. Like, it is nice to see young talent, like, sweat falling out. Yeah. Um, well, I got to refute what, what Let's Go Bird says real quick. Um, said, I swear if Josh Sweat doesn't get his contract, uh, Derek Barnett does. I'll be mad. Derek Barnett got his fifth-year option picked up, so he didn't get a new contract. They picked up his fifth-year option um, to see if he um, will, will play up to par this year or next year. Um, Derek Barnett needs to go. And uh, he says, Derek Barnett needs to go. Josh Sweat is our second back as rusher behind Brian Graham. I've been a big guy who's saying Derek Barnett needs to go, but here's my thing is that the, the big thing that has made this team so successful in the defensive line in recent years is the rotation and being able to just rotate a guy in, whether Derek Barnett is worthy of that first round pick or not, he has shown that he can be a valuable guy who can rotate in on that defensive line. And he's, he's shown, he's shown the flashes. We have, we've at least seen the flashes um, throughout time. Now it hasn't been consistent, but he he's good enough to be on that rotation for now. Um, he's here for this year and next year. I'm fine with that. Um, and yeah, I mean, Josh White has definitely played like our second best edge rusher. I think he is. Um, I honestly, I, I think he could be better than Brandon Graham because there are, there are games where Brandon Graham does go silent. Again, Brandon Graham is older though, so it's a little unfair comparison. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's okay that Josh White is here for now. And he says, sorry for the swearing, but you're good, bro. Not a, not good, a big man. deal. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say on that. I mean, I think I already kind of gave it. Like, he really is just falling. It's nice to see the young talent. Like, yeah, kudos to yeah. Sweat. I think it'll be a big piece for us going forward. Agreed. Drew Johnson says Sweat has stepped up. Ryan Rowe says, I think Joshua is the second best defensive lineman to be starter. Interesting take. Um, Let's go, Bird says, this is what happens when you say Dalton is better than Super Bowl Foles. Shaking my head. That's what all the Cowboys fans are saying, I guess. Won't, won't get into that. I mean, that's a, that's a whole long, <laughs> long spiel. But um, we already talked about Will Parks. Um, I don't think there's much to touch on the defense. Real quick, I mean, the linebackers, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but the young linebackers finding the play, again, Schwartz's hand was forced with Duke Riley being out, but it was good to see Davion Taylor just get 11 offensive snaps. That's a fine snap number. It's it's nothing too crazy. You're not overwhelming with him. Sure, he made mistakes, but now he has that film to go learn from those mistakes. He failed, and now he can learn from it. Whether he learns from it, that's where we'll find out how good he is. Um, Sean Bradley, I mean, he had limited snaps, but he played well. Alex Singleton is looking really good in the run game. Pass game, he's definitely got some work to do. But, I mean, he had nine tackles yesterday. Um, Nathan Garrett's still playing 100% of the snaps. It's whatever. I mean – you, you just know that's not going to change. That's Jim Schwartz for you. But, yeah, Dave I don't know if you have anything else to say on that, though. Like you said, I'm really getting encouraged. Obviously, Davion and Bradley are, like, coming up, and they're, like, learning. They got to just get experience at this point. But I'm really getting encouraged more and more by Singleton. Like you said, he's got a little bit to go in the past game. But I definitely want to see him on the field more often. And even when Duke Riley is healthy, like, I really do think Singleton at this point just gets to start flat out over him. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, and then two more things, one of them from this past game. Next thing, we'll be going on to the next game real quick. But are you concerned about John Hightower, man? I mean, this is this is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> okay, when we were texting during the game, you said you were, like, reminded of, like, Aguilar flashbacks. And I was like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to put that on a young player like that. And I get it. He's definitely dropped balls he should have caught. On watching the replay of the basically TD default he had, like if he catches that in stride, it's the TD. But like on that deep ball that he just missed, I'm a bit confused. And you have game pass. Maybe you can tell me later in the week about how he dropped it. But like I don't quite understand how he dropped it. Because if you see, he dives from the TV angle. He dives for the ball. And the ball doesn't immediately drop to the ground. You know it didn't go through his hand. And he's holding it under him for a little bit. And then all of a sudden it just falls. Like it doesn't look like the DB makes contact with him. Like did he just like fumble it trying to clutch it to his chest? Like what happened? Like I just don't really know how he dropped it. It seems like he had it in both of his hands and his body was shielding the TV angle. So I don't know. Maybe you'll see something on Game Pass to like let you know what actually happened on that play. But like I don't want to put the Butterfingers label on him yet. But if he keeps this up, we need him to start showing that he can keep doing – his routes are good. Like, I believe we've already talked about this. His routes are really good. He gets separation. He's got speed on him. But he's got to start showing that he can haul that ball in. It doesn't matter how good your route is. It doesn't matter how much separation you get. And it doesn't matter how fast you are if you cannot catch the ball. So yeah. Yeah, and let's go, Bird says, when your rookie receiver can't catch, of course, it's a concern. Well, I'm bringing it up because – um, a lot of his drops have been on deep balls, which can be due to ball tracking rather than just flat out dropping the ball. And 
two high towers credit, even with those drops, he has been better than a lot of rookie receivers we had in years past, which is sad. But um, yeah, I'm concerned. Um, I I told you like he is a phenomenal route runner. Um, I've I've watched uh, Thomas Peterson, big big Eagles guy. He does film breakdowns each week. He he is. I mean, a lot of time because Carson is getting pressure, he can't get the ball to him. But there are so many times where he is he is just making great cuts, getting off of press coverage, which is something that usually rookie receivers struggle with is getting off press coverage. He's one of the best route runners I've seen on the Eagles in a, in a little while. Um, but again, you know, it doesn't matter if he can't catch the ball. He's had, you know, the one deep ball last week. He stumbled coming out of his break, couldn't catch up to it, had to die for it. The other one went right through his hands. This one, I don't think I'm even going to be able to break it down on game, on game pass, man. There's there's really nothing to break down. It was just it's it's a shame because that's that's a momentum killer. It gave the Ravens great field position. Unacceptable. Um but yeah, we'll see. Again, six games. If this continues to happen, maybe he will need to see the sports psychologist. Not a bad thing. Um, but like Nelson Aguilar did, get some confidence back. Sometimes that is a real problem for athletes, and that's not anything to joke about. But um, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned about him moving forward. Um, let's go through some of these comments before we talk about this next game, which is a short week. Um, says what the Eagles need is a consistent player. Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, Miles Sanders, Jordan Mailata, Josh Sweat. Those guys are very, very consistent and our best players right now. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I don't think I have much else to say on that one, but, uh, Sean Bradley, what I saw from the run game, he's good. He's very good. Yeah. Um, Temple tough guy. He wore a single digit number at Temple. Very, very good player. Um, I've been very pleased with him. He has a great mindset too. Um, let's see, don't get me wrong. I've been saying it for some while now that Hightower is the best wide receiver we drafted. If he gets his hands right, he has to be best, he'll be best in the division. I mean, based on his route running, he has a lot of potential. Um, I don't know about best in the division. He clarifies that in a, later, a comment later down the chat. He actually said he meant Root running. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, Amari Cooper still is in the division, so I'd have to still give it to him. But I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, he has a lot of potential. Um, my opinion, they should have given him some quick – Yeah, I've been I've been saying this for a week. For you guys who are listening, it says, my opinion, they should give him some quick passes and build his confidence. His first target is third and 22. Yeah, I mean, he still should have caught it. But um, – with how the Ravens were coming pressure, I've been saying like drag routes, drag routes, drag routes. Where are those the whole the whole year? They'd run them early in the year, but um, Ryan Rose says John Hightower can't reach the ball when he is in zone defense. I'm sorry, I, I think I don't understand the wording on that one. I'm going to need you to to retype that. Sorry, bro. Um, a little confused on that one, but uh, yeah. I mean, with that said, real quick, we'll just wrap up. Um, we got the Giants on a short week on Thursday night. The Giants. Um, I can start on this one if you want. Um, yeah, yeah. Real quick, I'll just give a couple things. But 2017, 61-yard field goal against the Giants. Got our season going. Next game against the Giants, Foles came in through four touchdowns in his first start um, as the backup. Um, 20, 2018, we were starting off really slow, and then we had a Thursday night game against the Giants, and we won 34-13, and um, it was a big momentum boost. Later in the season, we lost 48-7 to Saints. And then the week after that, we played the Giants. We went down 19-3. We came back and won the game 22-19. And then last year, of course, we were losing 17-3. The season was pretty much over. Boston Scott came out of nowhere and then did his thing. Zach Ertz had the game-winning touchdown. And then week 17, we beat them to win the division. So for whatever reason, the Giants are always the team we start to get things right um, versus. Now, again, it's a long season ahead, but, like, um, it's just so weird. Like, 
that this is always the team that um, the game, like I've, I've no doubt we're probably going to go down early in this game. Um, that's, that's just my opinion. I think it's going to be a really close game. It always is with the giants. They know how, I think they do so many quick passes against our cornerbacks. Um, you know, they, they do so many, they send so much pressure on defense. So it's definitely gonna be a close game. Um, if we lose, I'm, I'm going to be for the tank. I'm not going to be cheering. Obviously, you know, we're not going to be cheering for them to lose, but like, if we lose to the Giants, I am not going to be as in, I wouldn't say as invested, but you get the point. Like, it's going to be hard to really take this season very seriously moving forward, I would say. But yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, especially without with in, players injured, we always start to get it together against the Giants. It's weird. Don't be surprised if Boston Scott just breaks out of nowhere and has the best game of his life again um, for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, the Giants are a struggling team as well. They're, I, I have no doubt they're going to, to probably bring their best game plan of the year against us because that's just how it is. That's just how this rivalry has been. Um, they're coming off a tough loss to the Cowboys, and then they beat the football team the other week. They're trying to go 2-1 and one in their three-game divisional stretch. So this is not a game they're going to take lightly. Um, and they have a lot of heart. I think they play with a lot of passion. I think they may, they play very um, motivated. So, yeah, it's going to be a close game. We're, we're down to our third our third right tackle. So that's my take on it. I mean, like you said, I already adopted more of a for the tank mentality just because I don't see what this team does even if we get into the playoffs the way it is yeah. right now. But this this is like – this could be a huge confidence breaker, I feel, for some players on our team. So even if we do lose this game, I think certain players really need to step up. I need to see Wentz continue to progress. If he progresses against the Giants defense, it's going to be a really bad sign. And I really do want to see our team compete from the start, not try and roar back in the second half like we've been doing these past two weeks. I think we really have to show that we are capable of competing from the start. And aside from Wentz, I think Doug Peterson needs to show some creativity, anything, something. Something that shows that he's still got it, that he does not deserve to be on the hot seat. Outside of that, I think whether we win or lose, those are the main keys. Wentz cannot regress. Peterson has to show creativity. And we got to see what do we get? Who do we get back this week? I know you told me some people will come back. Yeah. Good question. Um, I, th- I don't know. Um, I, think, I think it's uncertain right now. Let me check the the injury report real quick. I, I don't think, I don't think anyone big is coming back. Maybe Deshaun, um, but again, it's a short week. So it's kind of tough to tell whether they'll be ready by a Thursday. I got you. Point being still, whether we lose or win this game, it's more to me about how our guys perform. Are we going to show that we can compete from the start of the game? So I just trying to fight back in the second. Is Wentz going to continue to show that he's rising again and that he won't fall and is Peterson going to give any creativity? Those are my three main keys to watch. I really do think there's no such thing as a must win anymore in this season to me. But you can't lose this game in a certain fashion. Like, if we do lose this game and we do the three things I said earlier, I think I'll be okay with it. I'll be sad because losing to a division rival, but, like, I won't be too discouraged. But if we fail to accomplish one of those three things I just listed, this loss could have – bad echoes through the team's morale and possibly through the rest of the season going forward. Yeah. I think, um, you know, looking at it from their perspective too, 
you just can't afford to lose two division games before going up against Dallas either. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think they're. I think if they lose this game, um, well, for one, they're definitely not going to beat Dallas if they lose this game. Um, but there's going to be, well, for the Dallas game, um, even if, if they lose this game, for the Dallas game, I'm going to be all riled up because no matter what the records are, I'm, I hope we beat Dallas. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think if they do lose this game, there will be some serious question marks and decisions that might be made sooner rather than later, which is going to be interesting, but let's go through some of these comments before we head out. Um, Yeah. Quick course, just to start off. I'm a receiver and I understand what Hightower is going through. He needs to get comfortable, start with quick passes and then go farther on the field. I, yeah, I played baseball. I struggled with confidence before too. I'm like from a human perspective, I do feel it, but end of the day, he's out there on the field. I'm a fan. He's got to make the catch. Um, I meant, don't get me wrong about, I got you. So don't get me wrong about Hightower. He can't catch the ball. That's what you're saying. I got you. Um, uh, this is Wentz's season. The first game starts flat. Second game, it goes up a bit. 49ers game, he goes up a whole lot. Week five, he goes up a bit. And last week, he goes up a whole lot. He keeps going. Pretty much sums it up so far. Last three, or first three games, terrible. Last three games, good. Um, we might have a chance to save this season. Yeah, I mean, I know Sanjay's more for the tank, but um, end of the day, you know, he still cheers for a win. Um, it's still it's still a playoff race at the end of the day. Um, these next three games are, to me, because um, I'm pretty much counting on us losing a lot of games at the end of the year. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, knowing the Eagles, they'll probably get an upset or two, but these next three games, I think you have to go on a three-game winning streak. I just don't think there's room to lose any one of them. I think you have to sweep Dallas at this point. Um, granted, Dallas could start doing terrible too, but – yeah, um, I'd rather start the season bad and get much better than yeah, okay. the start of hot. Yeah, you go. I think that comment kind of stems from a bit of misunderstanding. Uh, let's go, Birds. I didn't mean we have to show that we can compete from the start of the season. I meant we could compete from the start of the game and then continue to compete. So far, we've just been growing back in the second half of the game. And that's a bad habit to get into. Gotcha. Um, didn't you ask who my friend to the right was earlier? Yeah. Was that you? It's uh, you might just be trolling now. This is Sanjay, or this is Sanjay. <laughs> I'm Hunter. Uh, we're both on Philly Insider Podcasts, so yeah, our names are in the description too. If um, if you need them, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we saw that already. But uh, I think we definitely did. Yeah, <laughs> Drew Johnson says, "Don't abandon the run. Don't run Scott up the middle." Like you said, drag routes, quick pass. Jim needs to make adjustments when needed. I would agree. Um, I know I was kind of just reading through a lot of the comments at the end, but I feel like there wasn't really much else to be said on them. Um, I don't know if you had anything to say that I cut you off no, from saying. I don't think so. Um, all yeah, right. It is, well, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so short week. I, I also, um, personally, I don't have any work to do. Um, so I'm going to be able to get some film breakdowns. I didn't get one before the game this week, unfortunately, but I'm going to be able to get some film breakdowns out, hopefully, uh, which should be exciting. And, uh, I mean, we're going to have a preview probably on Wednesday. Are you going to be busy Wednesday or um, what do you, what are you able to, to make Wednesday for a preview or not? Wednesday, I probably won't. Big sell bio test I got to do. I got you, bro. No worries. But um, I might do, might do a solo preview this time uh, just because it's a short week and everyone in our pod is in college. So like we got stuff going on, but um, I just came off of midterms last week. So, and I also, have my one day of fall break on Wednesday. Yay. <laughs> <What the> <laughs> I'll tell you about it after, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'll probably be doing um, some of that stuff. Look out for me and Nate doing power rankings 
me, Nate, and Sanjay did like a quarter season preview as well for the NFL, and we're doing some NFL stuff in general. Watch out for Nate. He might be dropping some Bengals previews or um, any comment, any team you want to see a preview of other than the Eagles, and Nate will probably do it right away because um, Nate's like the only non-Eagles guy on the podcast, and um, he's always looking for new things to do because um, like us being the Eagles fans, like we always want to do an Eagles preview every week, or at least I do. So, um, and he's not always going to join on those because um, he's not like a big Eagles fan. But yeah, um, yeah, it's exciting. If if you want to do any film breakdowns, man, I can probably give you my game pass and stuff. Let me know. Um, I can set you up with that because we got another good football mind who is on the right of me. I got it right this time. Um, he's on the right of me. His name is Sanjay. Let's go, Burge. Just so you know, that is the friend's name on the right of me for another time. But uh, yeah, thank you guys. Um, Let's go, Burge. Says I can. Can I get on one of these? Hit me up on Twitter, bro, for sure. Um, I just did a collab with a couple of guys before the Ravens game. Let me know, man. Um, I'm always down. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm free this week. I can go on your channel. You can come on our channel, whatever you want to do, bro. Um, appreciate you commenting, man, uh, and keeping this going. Um, especially commenting the Cowboys updates. I got it on, but like, obviously I'm not watching a ton because we're talking about the Eagles, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, thank you guys for doing that or for coming in and joining us. We got some good viewership during this one. Um, thank you, Sanjay, for doing this with me and listening to my rambling after and before yeah, and during, during all the Eagles games because um, I always get pretty – especially even though we were playing the Ravens, like, you know, it just gets more frustrating as the season goes on. <laughs> but uh, what's my ad on Twitter? I'll drop it right below. Um, should be H. Doyle Eagles. And then Sanjay's is the Sanj. Just kidding. He doesn't have a Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you guys again. Uh, anything you got to say before we sign off? As always, God bless you guys. Thank you for supporting us. Like, comment, subscribe. We appreciate you guys coming out to interact with us on these live streams. And have a good one. All right, guys. Run, booby, run. Fly goes fly. And, uh, well, I guess uh, run Boston 